I'm Tim Garland. This is the Trail Connection Podcast. Exploring, learning, and connecting through a love for the outdoors. Talking everything from hiking, camping, and just plain living. This is the Trail Connection Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Trail Connection Podcast. My name is Tim Garland, a.k.a. Mitty. I'm your host, and this week we are kicking off our brand new season 2021, kicking it off right. Uh, I wanted to bring my friend Peter Murphy and his oldest boy, Ethan, on the show this week and talk a little bit about their AT section hike that they took together, first time ever been. I thought that'd be a really cool way to kick off the year and kick off the new series. So let's hear what they got to say. Hey, Peter. Hey, Ethan. Welcome to the Trail Connection. I'm excited to have you guys join the show this week. Um, you're the first guest that I've, I've brought on the show for 2021, and we're kicking off the second season. I'm calling it a season. It's not official. It's just a series of episodes, but I'll call this season two. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We feel honored to be the first guest of 2021. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. So, uh, the reason why I wanted to bring you guys on the show was because Peter, you were telling me about your a little section hike that you guys did last year on the Appalachian Trail together, and uh, told me a little bit about the highlights. And I thought it was really cool that father son uh, father son went on this trip together. And if I, from what I understand, this is the first time both of you guys have been on the trail before. Yeah, it sure was. It was brand new for us. Ethan turned thirteen. Uh, in July of last year. And so we were looking for something that we could do together that would be significant, kind of a rite of passage kind of thing, you know, to signify that big milestone in a young man's life. And uh, Ethan is an outdoorsman, loves to do that kind of stuff. I like to do it too. And so we decided to give it a shot together, figure it all out, father and son, and uh, learn learn from each other and from a bunch of people who had done it before and ended up working out real well. That's great. That's really cool. Uh, so, Peter, why don't you uh, tell my audience a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, and and what where you're from? Yeah, for sure. So, I live in Lutz, Florida. It's a little suburb north of Tampa, and I've been here for like 20 years or so. I have a wife and three children. Ethan's my oldest. I have been in the real estate industry for the better part of 15 years, and have loved that. You know, I sold my real estate company about four years ago. And that freed up my time a little bit to spend some more time with my kids and family and really kind of take a schedule in some unique ways. And so now I feel really blessed to have done that. I know my circumstances is unique in some ways. Not everyone gets to do that. But some of that freedom has really allowed us to go do some great stuff with uh, with the family and the kids and things like uh, what Ethan and I did together, or things that you know I look at now having done it and feel like that is what makes life special. You know, I've. Uh, oh, Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. And rebuilding some companies over the last few years and uh, continuing uh, enjoying life, raising my kids uh, down here with Lauren and my wife. Uh, but other than that, you know, uh, pretty ordinary life. We try to get outdoors as much as we can, enjoy uh, enjoy what God has given us out there and definitely uh, enjoying every advanced year as my kids get older because they get more and more capable of doing fun things with me. So lots of fun there. Yeah. Very cool. Ethan, what are some of the things that you like to do for fun, buddy? I like to do a lot of things. I love to read. I love to do things that are like puzzles and stuff like that. And like my dad said, I love the outdoors. I love fishing, hiking, camping, all those things. I love a lot of very active things. 
uh, my kind of guy. <laughs> it's all stuff I like to do too. Um, so I wanted to kind of kick this thing off um, right at the very beginning. What uh, what made you decide the Appalachian Trail? So, like my dad said, I was turning thirteen, and we wanted to do something that was kind of significant because, like, thirteen is kind of the going from like kid to teenager. It's just like a significant thing in your life. So um, we had been, we had talked about doing the Appalachian trail earlier and we decided that'd be something cool to do because we both love the outdoors and um, it was a really great experience. We both thought that'd be awesome. And it was. Yeah. It was also going to be a really big challenge for us. I mean, we had neither of us had done anything quite like that earlier in the year. We had both gotten scuba certified together. So that was kind of a neat challenge too. something I had never done, always wanted to do. But the Appalachian Trail presented some unique challenges. I had just come off of some marathon training and so I was looking at some endurance sports and things that would be helpful to like kind of build uh, an endurance, uh, deepen my endurance acumen. And Ethan likes to do some distance running too. So this was kind of a neat cobbling together of the distance mindset with the outdoors mm-hmm. mindset and just some survival skills, which we felt like we needed to figure out how to do, you know, didn't come from a big camping family. Yeah. So I feel like I want to kind of learn how to do that myself. So Appalachian yeah. Trail, check some boxes. That's awesome. That's awesome. What, what section did you guys do? We did um, from Amicalola Falls to Woody Gap. I don't know exactly where that is. I know it's in Georgia, but I don't know exactly mm-hmm. where it is. My dad knows more of like the map stuff. Yeah. Woody Gap was as far north as we got. And we wanted to go further. We were hoping to get up to Hogpen Gap, but man, it trail kicked our tail in terms of, you know, we thought we were going to get out there and do 12 to 15 miles a day. They're total novices, right? And, you know, just totally underestimate how heavy the gear would take just to hike a mile and, um, you know, didn't get nearly as far as we thought we would. So went that first 30 or so mile segment and, uh, mm-hmm. and then had to come off earlier than we thought we would, but it was a blast. Yeah. Did, uh, did you guys do the approach trail from Amlicoa up to Springer? We did. Is that how you got started? That's no joke, man. That, that trail is no joke. <laughs> those approach trails are a lot harder than the actual trail. I was surprised to see how hard those were. Yeah, you were yeah, like typically surprised. <laughs> it was like exhausting and like emotionally draining yeah. because you're like just starting out and you're like on this emotional high. You think, hey, this is going to be great and, you know, exhilarating and I can totally handle this. And then you get like, 600 steps is the first thing you encounter 604 steps up the falls and you get to the top of that and you're like totally winded and you know like wow what did i get myself into and probably not the best way to start like an eight mile hike but it was still <laughs> yeah yeah that's um that was when I did that section, that was actually the second time that I went on the trail. The first time that I went, uh, me and John Krim went up to, uh, North Carolina and we start, we started at Fontana Dam and, and hiked south to Natahela Outdoor Center. And I had the exact same feeling on just the, you know, approach trail from the gap leading up to the trail. I, I, I think I got like 
maybe three or 400 yards in. And I was just like, what did I just do? <laughs> Cause I, like you guys, I did not prepare, like I had no idea what, what I was getting into. And so it was just, it's, it's a unique experience for the individual, but it's like one of those common experiences that most new hikers all experience. We just uh, underestimate and uh, and kind of get in that situation where it, it we bit off a little bit more than we could chew. But I think you guys are probably both in a lot better shape than I was and am. <laughs> so you probably got over that pretty quickly. It, we did it. I have to say, you know, I mean, like I have some endurance acumen, like for running. And I thought that would be a really great thing to bring on the trail. And maybe it was, you know, but Ethan doesn't run marathons yet. And he was able to kind of keep up. And I felt like I was as spent as he was at certain points on the trail. So now that kind of mm-hmm. made me think, not sure what exactly, what exactly the preparation would be to really make you feel like dominant when you first set out on the trail. I don't know if you're going to feel that way. I think it's maybe so challenging and difficult and the whole dynamic of carrying the backpack and the weight of that is just, uh, is so different than what you're used to doing that, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was exhausting. And we had two guys with us. They were exhausted too. I mean, Ethan, can I tell him, can I tell him about how you and Alex, you know, a couple, why don't you tell him a couple hours of trip? I mean, so from where, is that where we're starting? Oh, not even a sassafras, but like hour two into the trip. Like we hadn't even gotten remotely close to, to Springer Mountain yet. And like the kids, you know, they're, they're getting, we're getting emotional. Let me put it, it that was, way. It was very emotionally draining. Like I did not under, I didn't even understand how important like breaking your shoes in was. My feet were hurting. Oh, yeah. but I had like bruises on the bottom of my feet because I hadn't broken in my shoes and I put my pack on mm-hmm. wrong. I have a scar on my shoulder from a blister. And so oh, man. we were just like, we would take a break and we would both like fall down just from like, it, it was hard. We were both starting to get like, we were very emotionally drained. It was, <laughs> it was great. It was really cool. Now, yeah. you're, you're- shoulder blister too. You know, it's like our bags are way too heavy. We just, weren't wearing them quite right because it takes a little bit mm-hmm. of you know, how to adjust them correctly. And, you know, so day two into it and, you know, you're going and the weight of that backpack's bearing down on your blisters and you're like, that feels horrible. You know, there's nothing you can do yeah. about it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, all familiar feelings. I, uh, I had the same thing that the first pack that I took, um, was kind of an entry level pack and I wasn't wearing it properly. I had way, way, way too much stuff packed in it. And so it was killing my shoulders and my, my shoulder blades and, and my upper body and, uh, couldn't get it cinched around my waist just right. So it was just very uncomfortable and it can make it pretty miserable. You know, like when you're trying to explore this new area and get this new experience, you want to have the best experiences you can. And it's hard to do that when you're in pain, <laughs> but you know, if you go back, that that really is a testament to your love for the outdoors and your uh, your openness to checking stuff out like that. So, and that's cool. Once we got like our packs put on right and adjusted so that they were comfortable, it, it was a lot better, and it made everything so much more enjoyable. Like you could look around yeah. and like okay, how many miles till our shelter so I can take this off and try to rub some feeling back into my feet? <laughs> you could like look around and enjoy like the 
Lord of the Rings type scenes and all of that. Yeah. That, that's a good segue into another question I had for you, Ethan. What, uh, what was your first impression of the Appalachian Trail? Like, what'd you think about when you're out there in the woods? Thought about a lot of things. Um, so like starting off, I was like, this is so cool. I'm hiking like up a mountain, 600 stairs. It was a lot, but it was very cool. I was thinking about like all the animals. Now, I am not, I'm not like scared of them, but I do not like spiders. And there were like daddy long legs everywhere. And so that was like, I was just walking down the trail and I'd always have kind of an eye on the ground. So I didn't step on any like particularly large daddy long legs just because I'm, I do not like spiders. <laughs> it was so cool. Just like looking around, seeing like the wildlife, like, like the birds, the trees. We found a cat on the trail that was at one of our campsites. It, all of mm-hmm. those different experiences were so cool. Sweet. What about you, Peter? What was your what was your first impression of the trail? Yeah, you know, so yeah, we passed uh, some kind of viper at the foot of the uh, you know once we had reached the top top of the stairs, and so it was neat to kind of like just be you know falling up the final stairs, and then there was a, a big snake sitting under one of the rails as we kind of went went up onto the approach trail. So it was neat to kind of see that. I was actually surprised at how little wildlife we saw initially. It was mostly birds. And, you know, we didn't actually run into any bears, although one of the people we passed on the trail said she fought off a bear from her stuff that morning. So we know there were plenty of bears, saw lots of evidence of them, um, but we didn't actually see a ton of them. I felt like the trail was very grueling until almost day three where those beautiful vistas really opened up for us. So, mm-hmm. you know, going on a very short segment hike, I thought I would right away see great beauty and be awe inspired. And instead I felt like I was walking in very confined spaces and very closed in initially. There was like a test up front that was like, once you break through this part of the test, then the true beauty of the AT will open up to you, but you've got to pay your dues before you can see that. And your dues is like, Oh yeah. Hiking, you know, that's kind of what it felt like to me because it wasn't as beautiful as a lot of things I've seen out West and other places we've gone. We've seen just remarkable vistas. It took us days before we saw some of those. But so when we did see them, we were like, this is you know, truly inspiring now, but it took a while to get there for me. Probably once yeah, we yeah, make it earn it. <laughs> it did. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, wonderfully said, I mean, that, uh, that was kind of my, my impression too. Like I, I expected to see a lot more waterfalls to see a lot more, you know, open mountain vistas or, or just overlooks. And, um, there's, there's just, if you plan it right, then yeah, section height will offer that to you. But most times if you start in those, those popular starting points, like, you know, Springer and, you know, the, the sections up North, you know, around Katahdin, and those are, very high traffic areas. So you'll see a lot less wildlife and you, and you kind of have to earn the, you know, those wonderful views that you're talking about. And I, I just, I love this, the dynamic of the trail. I love how it changes so much. You know, you have certain sections that are kind of open and real woody, like, you know, foliage, foliage and leaves and stuff like that. And then you have others that's real rocky, some that's super steep, some that's kind of gradual, um, and then you get up top where it's pretty brushy and you have, you know, 
little tiny corridors that you're hiking through. So it's, uh, it's definitely, um, something that, you know, you need to just brace yourself to, for a lot of change. And, and so I think that's cool. Well, you know, I think it's so right on day three for us. Yeah. After we left, um, man, I can't remember. I'm blanking on the name of it. Ethan, maybe you can remember where we camped on day two, um, where we were in that clearing. Hawk. Yeah. At Hawk. Right. So we left Hawk and we had this really uh, heavy hike over Sassafras. It was a real steep up and down at the bottom of Sassafras. We grabbed lunch. And then once, yeah, once we left that point, I felt like the trail became like mythically beautiful. Like we would walk through birch clearings and like stands of birch trees, which where you had this really beautiful, like almost carpet of brown where you're walking across. And then you walk through what almost looked like magnolias. And it was like thick magnolia trees everywhere. And then you walk through this river part on your way up to, um, uh, yeah, on your way up to Gooch. And this river part looked like this like fairy clearing, like what you read about, what you read about like Lord of the Rings, like Ethan was saying early, where like, like the trees open up in this hazy beauty and the sun is shining through. And you go from, you go through what feels like three or four different um, like horticultural zones on this one small section of hike. And it's, and that's where it becomes like absolutely rewarding when you see that, but um, mm-hmm. highly diverse in that way. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's really nothing like that down here in Florida. Um, you know, this, I talked a lot on this podcast about, you know, the area down here and the things that I do down here for fun, you know, outdoors, these type type stuff. And Florida offers its unique change in, in dynamic, you know, uh, atmosphere when it comes to the different types of foliage and different types of areas down here. But it's like not anything like what you experience up there. It's like, and, and I'm sure I've never been like real out West, but I'm sure that it's a lot more that way out there than it is in North Carolina and up through those, you know, the Blue Ridge mountains. But, but still, you know, just some, something on the East coast that's quick that you can get to, you know, within a seven or eight hour drive, you know, it offers some really rewarding uh, experiences up there. So it's, it's definitely worth it. Without a doubt. And, you know, of course, we talked a lot about the nature, of course, but the significance of this trail. I have I've done a lot of reading of ultramarathon runners who have run this trail. I've read a lot of Kerouac, you know, and he has this close relationship with the Appalachian Trail. And I was born in Maine and I've lived in the Northeast. So this has always been something that's had this mythical, you know, this real historic significance to it. And so walking the trail, in one sense, you're like, you have the nature element. In another sense, you have this I am a part of something that's so much bigger than myself. And not just because it's the world and a mountain and you're this tiny human, but because of all that's gone into this and all the history and everything, that's all the people and the diverse stories that have traveled this. And now I make my own little mark on it and that's special and significant. And it only comes alive when you're really on it in a way that you can never really appreciate just reading about it in books. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what what kind of camping did you guys do when you're there? Did you stay in the shelters or did you use uh, a hammock or a tent? So we hammock camped for most. Uh, yeah, we sheltered. We had a shelter for one night on our first night. And um, it was not exactly comfortable. It was it was hard ground and um, it was it was not easy to like. It was not, it's not easy to go to sleep when you're sleeping on like a wood floor elevated a couple feet off the ground in like 
a sleeping bag that's designed to be light. It's not supposed to be comfortable. But um Yeah. So that was the first night, but when it was hammock camping was so much better. It it was amazing. It was very it was so easy to go to sleep and yes, yeah, so that's how we camped for the first two nights. We'd set up camp, cook our meals and then go to sleep in those. And we had these bug nets. Now, around like there would be this period when like the big like mosquitoes and like the dobs and flies or whatever is up there would come down and like you'd get hit and stuff. But um mm-hmm. as soon as that period was over, it was peace the entire night. It was awesome. Yeah, we Yeah, I'm a big fan of hammock camping. Yeah, I was I was really amazed at how comfortable that was. I mean you don't roll and toss and turn. You kind of sit in your cocoon all night and it's I felt like like it was just, you know, it was really easy to get a cozy night's sleep. And the only problem was, you know, Ethan, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I read about it in our journal is that, you know, middle of night one in the hammock camp, I mean, Ethan falls out of his hammock, right? And, and is like oh, wow. having this nightmare that spiders are attacking him. We're back to the spider fear again, you know? It's so like, he's like, dude, there's spiders all over me, you know? And I'm like, so I, I've got to get out of my camp, you know, out of my little cocoon. And it's pitch black and I can't find my flashlight. And I'm like, falling all over as well, trying to get over to him without waking up everyone and over to him. And like, there's no spiders everywhere, anywhere, obviously. Right. It's just all this dream. But, uh, so aside from that, I was whacking everything. I was slapping around, just trying to kill the spider that (laughs) was inside my hammock. I was like, this has to be like the delusions of a man who's just walked away too many miles and is partly dehydrated and, you know, but it was a blast, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you, you mentioned journals. So uh, before we got started here, you said that the, you guys each took a journal up there and you, you wrote down kind of some notes from the day. Yeah. we made I made Ethan do it. We didn't want to do it at first. But aren't you glad you did? Yeah, that's... I am. It's, it's very cool to look back and see what you were thinking or like how you felt at that moment. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I did the exact same thing the first time that I went. I bought a journal and I took it out there. And every night after I set up camp, I'd lay up for a little bit and just I, I just documented what I did that day, how many miles from what section of the trail, like from what gap to what gap, about how many miles it was, and then just thoughts from the day. And uh, it's fun to go back and read. It, it's really neat to to see where your mind was at when you're like utterly exhausted and your legs and your your feet are killing you and you're soaked with sweat and just laying there nasty trying to get, trying to get some sleep but uh it's a really cool thing and I, I i can't wait to like show that to my kids when they get a little bigger yeah without a doubt you know i mean just things like that you forget it's it's only it was only like six months ago for us but i reminded myself reading it through of some of the names i ran into on the trail i mean Everyone's got their trail name, right? So we ran into Snook. Snook, if we ever see, if you ever hear this, we're here in Florida sending our regards. You know, and Snook has <laughs> hiked this trail multiple times. And we ran into this family that we, you know, our, we nicknamed Military Dad. You know, he and his family were going on a 10-day hike. And day one, I mean, they were not looking happy, you know. So you could wonder, <laughs> wonder if they finished, you know, their 10-day hike or not. You know, but these are things that I totally forgot about names. I forgot about and reread them now. And I'm like, yeah, those were great people. And I wonder how they're doing. And I need to look them up, you know, the, the military yeah. family. It was like a 10 year old boy. And like, 
maybe a nine-year-old daughter. And he was taking them on 10-day hikes where he planned to hike like a ton. And they were exhausted. Like we were talking to Snook about that. And she had said she had talked to them. And the kids did not want to go on this trip. And they they were not enjoying it. It did not. (laughs) They had been completely forced onto this. Did you guys have trail names? Sorry, do you guys have trail names? I, Not really. One of our friends has a trail name, I know. But we don't really have any trail names. He gave us a trail name after we were done. But yeah, they, uh, we haven't gone back out yet to test the trail names. Did you? Do you remember what yours was? Ethan? I got you. I don't. I don't. I don't remember what mine was. I think mine was like one of the uh, Transformers. If I'm not really? mistaken. <laughs> it was. So yeah, we got them, but we'll have to test those before we're ready to release our trail names. Make sure they're actually. Gotcha. Gotcha. You have a trail name, Tim? I do. I do. I've actually, <laughs> I've had, a, I've had several. So uh, the first time I went, um, you know, Kale, Kale Andrews, he told me uh, kind of about the process. I really didn't know anything about it, but um, he kind of compared it to like an Xbox avatar name or something like that. You know, just a little name to kind of get to know other people out there. It's just something fun to do. And so the first time that I went, I didn't really do anything with that. And me and John went, we didn't, come up with names for each other but uh, the second time that i went me and brad o'hearn went and we kind of made that a point to name each other on the way up there and he named me Dreamweaver because i'm a uh, i'm a big dreamer <laughs> and the, he wanted me to sing the song occasionally throughout the uh the, the trip there um unfortunately that name didn't stick i'm sorry but i'm not going by Dreamweaver. so <laughs> um this past this <laughs> this past year, I uh, I renamed myself Mitty, so um, there's got some some value to that name. There's a, a movie that I really like uh, called the The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and I relate a lot to that character. There's some motivating things in that story that really touch home with me. So um, I adopted that name this year. So that's kind of what I'm going with moving forward. So oh, that's so cool. It's like you're, you're you don't get a chance to name yourself, you know, until you're on a trail, evidently, and that's where you yeah. can. You know, or are your people around you get to name you after like, you know, your character, you know? So Snook, by the way, she was a Florida person who liked to fish and that was why she was Snook. But yeah. That's right. Fish, fish to catch. And so that was her running. And so we got to really go cool. I, Yeah, absolutely. It's probably a lot more enjoyable when you have other people give you a name. Uh, it, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's like when I was growing up, I didn't really have too many nicknames, um, you know, Tim is a pretty short name anyway, so that people just call me by that. Or, you know, my middle initial is J, so I went by TJ for a little bit. But uh, I never really got any kind of nickname like that growing up. So this whole trail name thing was cool, but, like, I imagine if I was out there for a long period of time and I was interacting with a lot of different people and some of the same folks day after day, I might uh, I might get a name from them. But I figured, hey, let's get ahead of the game and get a cool one. <laughs> smart, smart move, yeah. Don't yeah. want to get stuck with a bad name. No, I know. Talk about embarrassing. Yeah. Real name is a bad name, right? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I loved meeting the people, uh, people on the trail. I mean, everyone had a story, right? And the camp, you know, the campgrounds, we were amazed that you could kind of like go off on the trail and you're totally alone for the eight or so hours that you're hiking. 
And then you pull into or into a, um, a campsite and there's a bunch of people there. You're like, how do they all get there? And they all, a lot of them stop earlier or come in late, a little later after you. And there's just enough density there that you never really see anyone on the trail until the campsites. And then it's as social as you want it to be. You know, we had a one night where right. it had to be like 20 or 30 people at this big campsite. And it was just so neat to see how they interacted and related and the fun times folks were having conversations we had were a lot and it's really cool yeah yeah the times that i've gone have been in the parts of the year where it's not entirely crowded um usually around the first part of the year in springtime whenever everybody's kind of like got their new year's resolutions they're going to hike the appalachian trail they're going to start in march you know that's when you get like the giant crowds out there on the trails and there's a lot of crowds in the in the different shelters along the way but those those folks kind of start to filter out throughout the year and fall off the trail and that kind of stuff so going later in the year you don't really see as many folks out on the trail but um you still see a good amount it's it's a really well beaten path i mean there's thousands and thousands of people that attempt it and and just do sections and and even do day hikes on it so it's it's a really vast array of people that you can come in contact with and it is it's really cool yeah uh, Tim, did uh, one of the things that kind of hit me the most on the trail, I, I'm sure you've had guests talk about this before, but was that plaque that was there at the base of Amalcoa that, you know, it was like that main Appalachian trail uh, plaque. And I was remembering as I was reading through my journal, the quote that was on that plaque. And do you remember it, Tim? Do you remember it started out by saying remote for detachment, narrow for chosen company, winding for leisure, lonely for contemplation. It beckons not merely north and south, but upward to the body, mind, and soul of men. And I thought, you know, we, we started out this trail and we had our backpacks on and we were full of like energy and excitement. And that was the first, you know, kind of the last bit of humanity that we saw. We read that quote and it was like, I thought that was really special because it kind of, as I hiked it and thought about it, I wrote it down. I was like, it's exactly what this is. That was such a meaningful perspective to me that, you know, what I was doing here was, you know, was about like a real personal spiritual enrichment. And there's something about that trail, the way it kind of captures you and leads you along, you know, challenges your body, kind of elates your mind, you know, and really does beckon you upward. Right. You know, in addition to it yeah. being like an altitude thing, feel like all the time on that trail, my mind was called out of my body and into like a higher place. And it was unlike any other physical activity that I've done, feeling like that all the time on the trail. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that quote specifically, but I do remember having a unique experience there at that point. Um, and I wrote about that, you know, just the, the folks that you meet there, Sometimes that's where they start their journey. Sometimes that's where they end it, you know, depending on which way they're going, north or south. And um, that's a really, it's a hallowed place for a lot of people because the trail is, it's life-changing for a lot of folks. It's not, some people just go for fun. Other people go for, you know, because they're lost and they're, they're trying to find themselves and, and, and find a new identity. So that's why the whole trail name thing kind of comes into play is a really cool way to do that. Um and then other folks, you know, get out there not really expecting to discover, you know, what they do. And so it's just, uh, it's such a cool and like 
um, revolving door of, of gift giving, you know, whenever the, you go and experience that, because no matter what you overcome, you know, you can, you can have a really hard day and learn stuff. You can have a really easy day and learn stuff and you can just, you know, excuse me, soak it all up. You know, it's, uh, it, it's such a, a neat experience and it's really hard to put into words for people who haven't experienced that themselves. I mean, you can, you can try, but you just, you just got to do it. You got to get out there and do it. Totally. Yeah. So, um, how did, how did you guys go about planning the trip? Did you kind of have a route in mind? Did you need to like a certain goal for, um, how many miles you wanted to do each day or, or you just kind of like spitballing? Hey, Ethan, you want to tell him about our mentor for the trip? And you remember his name? Marty. Yeah. Broadwell. Shout out to Marty Broadwell. So he kind of, he mentored us. He told us a lot about um, the weight and stuff, how important that was. He told us a bit about the trail we were taking. And he told us a lot about like the gear we need and stuff. That he was kind of our like planning advisor. He told us what we needed to know, and uh, he helped us get started. He it, he helped a lot. Definitely, and he didn't like to teach us too much about or tell us too much about the route. We knew that we had three days, and we knew that you know we were going to be able to get up there about midday, maybe two o'clock on day one, and so we needed to uh, we needed to just kind of get as far as we could in that three day period. And we were going to park our car, one of the cars of the of, of the couples that went. Uh, we were going to park on the northmost spot so that we had a way to get back to our car at Amakaloa. And so we just kind of like plotted a, a route that we felt like was challenging enough that we could do and just kind of did it. I mean, now thinking back on it, I'm like, we were kind of unprepared and not super strategic. I mean, I could have been more researched about how many miles I could cover with this group and, you know, exactly where we would work to camp. Um, you know, I'm sure there's, if I had like done a little bit more research, I could have figured that out, but I didn't feel like I was being over aggressive when we were initially setting the mileage, our daily mileage. And that seemed to me to be totally doable, but we really needed to rest longer than we thought we would. So like the well-made plans of mice and men, right? You get started and all of a sudden you're hours behind and you've got nightfall coming ahead. So it's not like you can keep mm-hmm. walking and just push through and get there because, you know, with almost no light on the trails, it's really dangerous to do that. Plus there's a, there's a limited amounts of water. So what we found on the road was that, you know, we, we saw on our maps, there was water here and we read the blogs and they're like, yeah, here's roughly where it is and pretty easy to find. But then we'd get going and we'd, we'd miss it. And all of a sudden the water stop is gone. And we didn't pack a ton of reserve water because in this first length of the trail, there's supposed to be tons of water spots, but you know, if you miss a water yeah. spot, and then you're like, you, you take too long at rest and now nightfall is approaching, you know, your all your plans are, are, are ruined, you know, and you've got to really modify. So fortunately, nothing danger, nothing too bad happened to us, but we definitely didn't keep by any kind of plan. Uh, near, not nearly as close to the plan that we set for our. Yeah. If I, you know, I was, uh, I was thinking back to, when we were talking about this and if I remember right, I mean, we were like probably days apart from like being on the trail at the same time, whenever me and Brad went, when you and Ethan went. Um, and at that point in time, the, a lot of the water sources were kind of dry. So like, 
you know, going up that approach trail, we were expecting to get a good water source right there at the, the shelter before Springer. And when we got there, it was like a trickle, you know, so that's a game changer whenever you're like huffing and puffing and you're, you're worn out, you're dehydrated and you need some water and it's not there. So yeah, planning is, a uh, it's a lot more, I, I'm preaching to the choir here cause I'm, I, I've had terrible experiences cause I don't plan very well whenever I, I take my trips. So. Yeah. And, and there's like total like rookie mistakes. Like I had this electrolyte powder and I was like, yeah, I'll put some, put a, like I have the sachet of electrolyte powder in my water bottle. And so I did, but I dumped the whole thing in and I like ruined my water. Like it was, it was like so salty. You could barely drink it. I mean, it wouldn't have killed me, but it was just almost unpalatable. And so in addition to like, like having limited water and not having water that I ruin a whole one of my water bottles too. And so day one, those kind of things just like, you feel like, Oh, I'm such a bonehead. And, but they're just like rookie mistakes that you make out on the trail Fortunately, you've got buddies with water and, you know, you can survive a day without water. So, we, we, but we did that. We got to the campsite that night and we were kind of dehydrated. We had not nearly enough water for all of us to drink and cook, but we knew Springer was up ahead. So we thought we'll just spend the night here and then we'll have like an hour and a half hike to Springer in the morning. We'll have plenty of water there. And of course we did. But then of course we were foolish and we were like, you know, uh, parasites what parasites we're just going to drink unpurified water we're so thirsty they won't get us right so so we chug water yeah. I, I dodged the bullet but ethan was not so lucky <laughs> hmm. yeah that can be dangerous man you just get a little stomach bug what'd you get buddy Tell what you i got, got giardia it was not exactly a pleasant experience oh man that's no good no bueno <laughs> six weeks or so yeah, six weeks. Uh, maybe a little hmm. more, but it's just like constant stomach aches and yeah, not fun. Well, I'm gonna do a little shameless plug here for uh, for a product that I really like a lot. And it's a uh, the Sawyer Squeeze. Um, it's a little mini filter that you can screw on the top of a water bottle. Highly recommend it. I mean, you can uh, pretty much fill up like any kind of water bottle, and it screws right on top, and you drink right through it. And so it's not a whole lot of effort to go through it. So anybody who's listening and that might be planning their, their hike, don't make that mistake. Make sure you get a, a water filter. It's definitely worth it. Ethan can tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not on that. Well, and we, so iodine tablets, what we were going to go with for our purification option, it would have been fine if we had just been patient, but we weren't patient and we were super cocky and we were like, it won't get us, you know. Um, we were all just so thirsty and 30 minutes was like, didn't want to without water because we, what we felt was we're gonna go fill up our water bottles it's not uh, we don't really want to just sit here for 30 minutes while our water bottles purify and we'll be on the trail and then we'll finally it'll be time and we'll all just start like chugging our water and so because i must have drunk like a bottle full of water just sitting there and right. so yeah definitely better to probably better to go with one of those squeeze filters yeah, it's to yeah. water. So uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you guys on the show is because I really think that this father-son aspect of the, of the trip is really cool. It's something that I aspire to do with my boys when they get a little bit bigger. And um, I just – I wanted to kind of get both of your perspectives on like um, how, how that – 
was meaningful to you guys, what you took away from it. And um, I really, the, 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 what I want to make lasting from this episode is just to, to folks who have some children that they may not have a great relationship with or they're having trouble connecting with, what, what are some of the benefits that can come from taking a trip like this with, with a mom and dad or, you know, son or daughter? So it definitely, it definitely helps bonding. Like having, um, I can say for myself that me and my friend that went with us, we both had a harder time on the first day just because we were sore. I mean, we're still younger and it's very draining and we were having a hard time. And it's always nice. To, it's nice to have someone, you know, to like rely on to help you through this stuff. It's definitely a good bonding thing. Yeah, um, for sure. I thought so. The goal was to try and like, you know, you don't want to manufacture stuff. I mean, here's here's the, I don't want anything fake and smarmy in my life, right? Especially as it relates to kind of having a good relationship with someone like my son. I want authentic conversational experiences. I want like time that will lead itself to like naturally you know, discussing life and just, you know, things. Right. And so the Appalachian trail gave us all the time we needed and all the solitude we needed for things just to naturally evolve in our relationship. The dependencies that Ethan talked about, you know, we're on a trail and he needs us to slow down. We got to stop and rest. And, you know, I've got a choice at that moment. I can like, you know, come down hard and crack the whip and we need to get going, or we can modify our plans and we can just, I can remember what it was like to be 12 and, you know, and and how I definitely wasn't doing what he was doing in that moment. Right. And so I can build respect for, you know, what he's doing, what he's going through, even if he's got to take a break more often than I do at this point. So that was, that became very obvious to me that really growing respect for him and for what he's putting himself through in the interest of self-improvement. And then of course, the opportunities just come right out. You're walking and something strikes you. And that's when you can just, you know, ask the question or throw out the observation or relate something that you're doing right now to something that's really significant to you as a man or what you want to be spiritually. And those opportunities were everywhere on the trail. You just had to take them. I mean, you could, you could walk on silently because the trail allows you to do that. Or you can, you know, have the courage to ask the question or to share the thing about yourself that you feel like you're thinking in that moment. And I try to do more of that. It was definitely easier to do more of that when Ethan and I were maybe walking on ahead or a little bit away from our uh, other traveling companions. But when we did that, we had those kinds of conversations. Talked about how we, how some, how you know, you how God even speaks to you through His revelation in nature, and uh, and how He's just opening up what you feel like are secrets that he doesn't share with people readily, unless you're in places like that. You can talk about those things and share your experience with those things. And you can realize that kind of the growing spiritual creature that your son is, and that even you are in that moment. And those opportunities were everywhere. I thought they were super rich for me. And I came off that trail respecting Ethan as a man, even though he's like 13, right? Uh, maybe like the man he's becoming and the man I absolutely know he will be because of how he handled that experience. And I was thrilled with that opportunity. It was everything that I wanted 
for, you know, a three day experience with my kid. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's really, really awesome. And I, I definitely aspire to that too. And, you know, that's, that's something I look forward to doing with all three of my boys and my daughter too, because she's an outdoor girl. So, um, it'll, it'll be really cool when we can all kind of take those trips together. I, I like what you were talking about, you know, these, these moments that present themselves. So, um, my last episode, I talked a little bit about my, uh, my new year's resolution and kind of what my goal this year is going to be. And that's going to be capturing what I'm calling seizable moments. So, you know, you have these different moments that are teachable where you can, you can capitalize on an event or something going on where you can learn from it or teach someone from it. But what I was looking at, uh, was, was this idea of a seizable moment where just, you have an opportunity to make a choice to, connect with someone or to turn the other way. And so my goal this year is to capture those seizable moments and really connect with my children, with my wife, you know, with my my brothers and sisters in, in Christ and also friends and family, you know, just anybody who I come in contact with that I, I see an opportunity to learn something from them or to impact them. I want to seize that moment. And so I, I love what you just said because it totally encapsulates what my goal is this year. So really, really cool. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm jealous. I think that, uh, you know, that this is something you guys are going to cherish for a lifetime for sure. Um, and I can't wait to experience it myself. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it, you know, these kind of moments as you describe them, I really like that they take a lot of work. I mean, they're not easy. The preparation, the like the the physical, uh, you know, expenditure effort that you got to put into it. I mean, if you're going to just be you know, kind of lazing through life. I think that you're, what I've discovered is that you, you don't have those moments, right? Because I'm just sitting in front of the TV, like I am every night, you know, and then when you're there, it's just really harder to kind of, you know, have, it's, it's kind of harder to be, put yourself in the position where you can relate at a different level. And so, yeah. you know, that's definitely what I noticed is how much work it is. And it was a ton of work and a ton of effort. And we like have a lot of physical injuries still to show from that, but man, was it worth it? Just totally worth it. Yeah, no, that's that's really really cool, and I think that we've kind of uh, expanded a little bit on a lot of the benefits that come from uh, from doing things outdoors, especially with your kids, and you know, even by yourself. You know, there's there's so many positive things that come from just being outside and in nature, in the quiet, away from the noise, and you know. I'm saying noise, <laughs> you know. It's I, I like natural noise more than people noise, but. Uh, it's it's definitely something that I think everybody needs to do, and we need to make time for that for sure. So, um, do you have anything that uh, any kind of tips that you want to add for uh, maybe some some kids your age, Ethan or or Peter, anybody who you might come in contact with that might be wanting to take on something like this? Any kind of you know rookie mistakes you made that you want to give them a pointer on? I'd say probably just make sure you have your gear on the right way like make sure that everything is comfortable before you start or you're gonna finish with everything like much much more uncomfortable and it's it's not fun to go through that's a great point Ethan everything gets heavier when you're on the trip nothing gets lighter you think you're gonna eat a bunch of stuff and it's just gonna get lighter and I don't know for whatever reason that doesn't work that way right uh because you've got some stone on the way that you want to bring home with you and now it's heavier than all your gear 
But yeah, I mean, whatever you can do to minimize your gear, go at a time of the year where, where the weather, the, the change in uh, climate's not going to be so vast that you need to have like a ton of different kinds of survival gear. But we way overpacked and we were probably five pounds heavier than we should have been, which sounds like nothing. But a 25 pound backpack just feels so heavy when you're on the trail. And so you've got to do everything you can to get that weight down. I think that's a critical uh, you know, mistake that we made. And we, our, our mentor told us that he said, lose weight as much as you can get as much weight out of your backpack. I go for the tiniest, the lightest. And we were like, oh, it's like one extra pound. What is it? What, what, how bad could that, actually, that could that actually be? It's horrible. So whatever you can do to make it lighter. Yeah. Well, one thing real quick, well, when you're talking about the water situation up there, the last time that I took a trip up there, I got in that situation where I was a little dehydrated. We got to a point where we had a really strong water source and I capitalized on that. I had three different containers that were several different sizes, little pouches, and I filled up all of them because I was like, man, I am not running out of water again on an ascent. Little did I know that that was going to add like 10 pounds or 15 pounds to my pack. So, you know, we go from a low point up a steep ascent and I, I had to shed it. I could not carry it because it was too heavy. So I ended up dumping it out anyway. So uh, it's one of those things. Absolutely. Weight's a big thing. I'm curious, how in the world did you get your pack to 25 pounds first time ever going? Because if that's a legit number, that's really impressive. Do you think that's light? Yes. Yeah. My first pack was 60 pounds. That's extraordinary. Okay, that's a lot 60. of weight. Um, I don't feel quite as bad. <laughs> no, y'all did fantastic. Yeah, well, we were hiking together. So, you know, he could carry some stuff that we were going to need. And we were going to cook together. And so we shared some equipment, you know. That was our yeah. way of. No, that's working. a good point. Yeah, but um, man, I mean, 20, we got those cheap Walmart bags. We're like, these will be fine, right? Who needs the, who needs the light gear? And, you know, you know we, we crossed a couple of really seasoned trail guys and they were like, yeah, I can tell tell as you guys are walking up here that your bags are way too heavy. You're never going to make where you're going because you guys are just like novices <laughs> out here. Like, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I I really. I really appreciate you guys taking the time tonight to come on the show and uh, and talk a little bit with me. I'm I'm really excited for you guys. And uh, when's your next hike gonna be? Got to plan it. Yeah, That's we need to plan it. Awesome. Yeah, you don't know, but now that this had this talk, we're like, let's just plan it. Let's make it happen soon. Yeah, great memories. Yeah, you got to do it. I got to, I got to get my next one planned as well. But uh, I, yeah, I, I really want to thank you guys for taking time to coming on. This was a great discussion. I think it's going to be a really good episode for everyone to check out. And um, anyway, thanks again, guys, Peter, Ethan. I appreciate the time. Hey, you're welcome. We'll sign off. Take care. All right, take care, guys. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave me a nice review there. I greatly appreciate that. If you're watching this on YouTube, also hit that subscribe button and turn on those alerts. Drop me a comment. Let me know what you think of the show. Looking for us on social media, you can find us at at The Trail Connection on Instagram and Facebook. We share lots of cool photos of nature and some nice deep thoughts about those photos. And uh, be sure to give us a follow, give us a like check out what we got going on on a daily basis so thanks for tuning in everybody my name is tim garland aka midi and you're listening to the trail connection podcast